why I got ahead of us this morning and turned that music off. There's something incredible about worshipful songs in the background, in, in whatever environment that we are in. Um, it, it changes. It changes the atmosphere of, of the space that we're in. Well, we are in lesson two of the series, God is Faithful. Do you know that God is faithful? I know that God is faithful. I have, I have learned. Um, there are still times in my life that I um, get um, contrary and say, I can do this. And um, I find out how much I need him because I really can't do it. It, it just, you know, it, it always ends up a mess and that. But I'm going to start today with our icebreaker. And then we'll get into the lesson. Um, what is the most unusual Bible story to you? Balaam's donkey talking. That, that would be on the, in the top five of my list. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and any other unusual Bible stories to you? Jordan. Ah, yes, I know where that one came from. <laughs> yes, yesterday, yesterday, um, Lily and I were playing games at the table, and, and I asked her if she was ready for Sunday school, and I said, do you know what the Sunday school lesson is? Do you remember? <laughs> and... And I, I told her it was a secret, because the teacher wants to tell you all about it. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry, Jordan, I, I um, influenced your ride to church. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, that little, uh, that little uh, girl, um, she did really good. We, she wanted to play chess. So we went through and we explained. I'm sorry, this is way off topic, but it was fun. She, we, she, she wanted to play chess, and we laid out the board, and I explained how all of the pieces moved, and she kept wanting to move them different ways and all of this. And by the time the game was done, I only had two more pieces down compared to her. She, <laughs> she was getting it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, God is faithful. I'm not any good at chess either. I, am, I play um, defensively. And to win, you have to play offensively. And um, I, I'm not very good at it. But, yes, today our story is about three days in the deep. So we know who this is about, and um, Jonah, poor Jonah. Um, is 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 it is it poor Jonah? No, no, no. He he brought it on himself. Um, it it's uh, it's tough, and we, if we're not careful, can find ourselves in the same situation. And the focus of our lesson today, and I'm going to actually um, read the text 
for the lesson, and, and then we'll talk about the focus verse. But the truth about God today is God's grace and mercy extend to everyone. And that's not always easy for us to realize in the moment of a situation that we are suffering with or aggravated with or just absolutely angry about. Then we are not so interested in God's mercy. Yes, absolutely. Zap them. Take care of that problem. But the truth for my life and the focus of what this lesson is talking about today, because you could go all kinds of places with this lesson. You could, go in, you could go lots and lots of places. But the truth for my life is I will rejoice in God's mercy to my enemies. God has mercy on everyone, especially our enemies. He wants us to have mercy for our enemies. And again, that's not always easy. But in Jonah chapter 4, and I am going to go through all 11 verses here. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God. He knew that God was gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Now, that verse sounds really, really good when we want it for ourselves. Just love it. But when God applies that to our enemy, we may react like Jonah did. Therefore, now in verse 3, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. Now, now that's extreme reaction. For it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to be angry? Is it all right for you to be this angry about this? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth. In other words, he made a a little uh, tent covering that he could sit under because it was a hot day. And sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. Hmm. Is God going to change his mind again and just wipe it out? Absolutely, he's hoping that that's going to happen. And the Lord prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah 
that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Thank you, Lord. I just love this gourd. It's protecting me. It's keeping me cool in the heat of this day. But God prepared a worm. When the morning rose and the next day it smote the gourd that it withered. Hmm. So my happiness, his happiness went away. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement Okay, that, that's a word that doesn't get used terribly often, but it's very meaningful. It is a vengeful, a, a get-you wind, a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. That's twice in this one chapter. I would rather die than live because of what's ha just happened. I, I don't want to be alive if Nineveh survives. And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. So besides being angry about Nineveh being forgiven... He's mad because the gourd that God gave him died. His blessing disappeared. But why did it disappear? Why did it disappear? Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd. For the which thou hast not labored. You didn't have anything to do with that gourd. And you're having pity on it. Because I took it away. Neither madest it grow, whether it came up in the night and perished in a night. And verse 11. And should not I spare Nineveh? That great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons. Six score, that's 120,000 people. Can't I have mercy on 120,000 people? that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. They can't discern. They don't know what's going on. They're, they're living life like they have always lived life, and they haven't had anyone share with them or not any huge influence of share with them to know what's right, to know the difference between the right and the left. But God sent a man to preach one simple message, 
in the ears of the king, and he commanded his entire 120,000 people to repent. Now that's influence. Now that's influence in that God directed Jonah to the right place to preach. Now you go back in the first three chapters, in, and we, we do know um, from looking at this story, sometimes I always feel bad about saying story. Makes it sound like it's not true. And I'm telling you, there's probably a lot of people that just have a really hard time believing this one. Who can get thrown off the side of a boat, falling into the water, not even trying to save himself? Because it says he gets taken all the way to the bottom in this, this, this great fish, not a whale. You know, whales have to come up for air. <laughs> and that fish took him to the bottom of the mountain, the scripture says. That's as far as you can get down there. Bottom dweller. Maybe it was like a great big sucker. <laughs> I don't know. Halibut are kind of flat. I don't know if it would be the right stomach dimension <laughs> to be a halibut <laughs> or a flounder or any of those other bottom dwellers. <laughs> no, a great fish that God prepared swallowed him up, and he comes to himself in the belly of a whale. Yes, a fish. Thank you. I've read too many children's stories that call it the wrong thing. So he comes to himself in the belly of the fish. Swallowed him up without causing any damage. A fish that big, you'd think it'd have plenty of teeth. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it was sort of like a whale and ate plankton or something. I, I really don't know. But whatever it was, Jonah came to himself in the belly of the fish. And he's wrapped up in seaweed with, you know, seaweed wrapped around his head, maybe around his neck, and, you know, all of the, all of the stomach acids and all of the yuck and smell. Yeah, I won't go into those stories. But if you've ever taken care of animal and accidentally punctured the intestine system, mm, nasty. And Jonah came to himself. Now, Nineveh, Nineveh was, as that verse 11 said, a city of 120,000 people. And earlier in the book, it says that it took three days to walk across it. 
Now we have cars and, and you know, we, we get to travel a lot faster than that. But in, in the text, when it says that it took three days to go across it, that wasn't three days from where Jonah got spit up on the ba- beach to Nineveh. It was hundreds of miles from the coast to Nineveh, which is around um, the modern-day city of Mosul, which is in that Middle Eastern, I think, it was, I think it's in Syria. But that was a long ways. You look at that on a map. He had to travel a long ways to get there. And when he got spit up on the beach, he was farther away than when God told him to go because he was from Nazareth, which is an interior community. So when he fled, he went the opposite direction in that boat. But when God spit him up, he had had a farther trek to go. Isn't that the way it is sometimes with us when we don't want to do what God wants us to do? We end up getting ourselves further away than when God asked us to do it. And we have a bigger struggle. We have a longer path to go. And Jonah, if he had just done what God asked him to do. But he hated Nineveh. It was the capital and very important city of the Assyrians. And in the time of Jonah, the northern countries had been captured by the Assyrians. And maybe Jonah... He was from Nazareth. He could have been taken. But maybe he was able to escape to Judah to be able to be in his home country for a little while, longer. But the Assyrians came after Judah, too. That was in the times of, I believe it was, um, and I don't have it highlighted here, King... um, Hezekiah, I believe, in that time when he, when the Assyrians came and laid siege, Sennacherib, yes, some of your favorite scriptures, your favorite chapters, Pastor. But the Assyrians were an enemy of Israel, and they had taken captive, and they had sieged on Jerusalem, and that is the time frame that Jonah was in. So, you could say that we could understand the frustration and anger, and I do not want to do this, God. Because this was a bigger enemy than maybe any of us have ever faced. And we have frustration at times. Lord, help us. But we do have frustrations about forgiving our enemies. It's not an easy thing to forgive your enemy. We want to get back at them. We want to see them suffer for what they've done or what they've done to someone that we love. 
because it's not easy to have mercy out here. We want mercy here, but it's not easy out here. And so Jonah hated the Assyrians, and Nineveh was their main community, their main city. But God wanted to show how much he loved not only Jonah and Israel, but he wanted Jonah to know and see and understand how much he loved everyone, even the enemy. Think about what are some ways the Lord has shown limitless love to you. Just think about it for a moment. We don't have to say it out loud. But God has shown limitless love to us. We could sit here for the rest of this time frame for Sunday school and talk about all of the times that God has shown limitless love to us. But in rejecting the limitless love that God wanted to show over here, Jonah rebelled. And he ran away. And he fled to Tarshish. And then if you're reading, you know that in that fish, he came to himself and he repented. That scenario would remind you of Psalm 139 and verse 8 said, If I ascend into heaven... Thou art there. Thank you, Lord. I always say that this whole this chapter, especially that first part of this chapter, this psalm, is such a comfort to us. But very scary for someone who hasn't doesn't have a relationship with God. But I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell. In the situation that I can hardly live with. The situation that Jonah found himself in. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. God will meet us. God will meet anyone. When they're ready, wherever they're at, he will meet them if they will humble themselves and come to him. And he did meet Jonah. He repented. Another thing to think about is... Why do you think God sometimes has to take extreme measures 
to encourage us to repent. So maybe our most difficult problems, and I said maybe because I know that there are circumstances that have nothing to do with the condition of our heart. They're just life. But if we're in a difficult situation, if we are facing an enemy in the midst of our trial and trouble, it would behoove us to make sure that our hearts are given to God. Again, not to say that it is the problem, but it could be the problem. That's why repentance is so important in a daily, a daily interaction with God. Lord, search my heart. As the psalmist said, clean me. And that chapter goes on that I'm going to be white as snow. We got plenty of that out there, and we had a little bit more this morning. Hard, crunchy stuff. It must have rained on top of it. <laughs> That's all I can say. Um, no, we, we need to be white and clean before him. And if we can make that approach when we're in our struggles, in saying, God, is there anything in me? Is there any situation that I need to pay attention to that will help me in this scenario? Do I need to forgive someone? Do I need to repent myself? Do I need to make it right? And if we can get that right space with God, then he is with us through these struggles, trials, and maybe just circumstances. But God is with us. Thank you, Jesus, that Nineveh repented. Did that mean that they changed for forever? No. No, it didn't. But it did show that God is willing that all should come to repentance. God wants everyone to be able to repent. And who is it that classifies sin? We do. Our society classifies sin. And our, oh, they are willing to overlook, oh, so much more than they used to. <laughs> so much more is, is just, hey, it's just what it is. Well, this is the way we live. I get to do this. And society doesn't think that there's anything wrong with it anymore as a whole. 
It's okay to do this, do that, be like this. But God's word is still God's word. And he will demand one day that everyone bow a knee, like Paul said. And how is, how, how, do, how do we, um, how do we, what we need to make sure that we are in that position, that we have bowed our knee. But how do we let God do that for anyone and everyone? We have to change how we look at things, how we approach things, to give grace and mercy to all around us. Now, in the Kenai Peninsula, you don't see um, always a lot of the strangeness that exists in other parts of the world. Yes, thank the Lord. Because there are people that could walk in the door that would shock us to an extreme level. And now there's lots of applications of, of you know, those that are in, highly inebriated and have, you know, just walked off of the, the curb and have been, had been there for, you know, a few days and they walk in the church and, and you don't want to get anywhere near them because of the smell and, and, you know, those, those are stories and, and things that we hear a lot about, but there are other extremes that God wants to walk into the door of a church, into the presence of his people. And he wants them to be loved and uh, cared for and led to what we know. And he will do it in huge numbers all at once. We have more and more instances where entire churches are turning themselves over to the truth and inviting someone who preaches the truth to come and preach the word to them, and the whole church is converted. I don't read very many stories from the foreign field, but I have heard a few instances where entire villages are converted. And that's what God can do. It's not just one at a time, although one at a time is really important. One person that you can sit down with in a Bible study is important. 
But God wants to do big scale things too. Now maybe Jonah wouldn't have had trouble going and talking to a few people in Nineveh. Maybe, I don't know. He was pretty angry about the whole situation. But God wanted them all to have an opportunity. Every one of them to have an opportunity. In the cultural connection, it talked about the effect of the world's response to World War I. And how, it, World War I is considered the Great War. Not that it had been the first war. No, there were lots of wars before that. But new technology and ways of fighting had been invented. And an entire generation of men died in that war. And I, I don't have any numbers. Some of you may know numbers. But the entire world put the greatest, the most stringent sanctions, if you want to use that term. That's the term we use today. Now, I don't know if that's the term they used in World War I, but they, everyone, hated Germany when the Allies finally won the war. And the German people lived in horrible poverty for years. And there is no mercy here for what you did. And you have to suffer for forever, I'm sure in their minds, for what you did to the world in that war. And the world didn't, the allies, the world didn't think that Germany would ever recover. But their desperation and the lack of mercy shown. Mercy? What do you mean mercy? They didn't deserve any mercy. But that hard line against them caused a desperation in the German people that they desperately wanted a leader that could take them out of this. And Hitler stepped up. Said, I have a plan. I can do this. And he rebuilt Germany as a war machine. And for the second time, the world suffered. And thousands of people died in the war. And more than six million 
people in, of Israel died. Israelites from all over, any one of them that they could get their hands on, they died. And reading in that, and I didn't realize this, I, I'm not a real big history buff. Someone else might could have just known it just like that. But millions of POWs that were not Israelites, prisoners of war, they killed them too. The atrocities of that war. And the world had said that there can't be another war as bad as the Great War, World War I. But oh my, it was pretty close. It was terrible. But think what may have been if a bit of mercy had been shown. Yes, what you did was horrible. But if the world had been willing to show some mercy, would we have had a Hitler? Because Germany could have come out of that in time, in a place of mercy and forgiveness. Now, I don't know. That's all supposition because history says it didn't happen. History says that Germany suffered and Hitler rose and World War II happened. But God wants to show Mercy. Several months ago, I had a lesson on Jonah also and talked about that. And I thought, Lord, okay, what didn't I learn? <laughs> Pastor, the Lord blesses. I know the Lord influences and blesses the way the lessons fall among the teachers. The lessons that I have to teach, need, I need something in my life from that lesson. And so when I approached this, I said, okay, Lord, what didn't I, uh, what didn't I learn the first time? that I had to look at, at Jonah and talk about and study about which Tarshish did, did he actually try to get to because there's actually two places that it could have been according to um, history of that time. Um, there was a place in Spain and then there was another, another place, but they were both far away. I can tell you they, they were both far away. He was, he was trying to get as far away from, from the situation as possible. And I can't research this, and I, I don't have um, any idea where my dad 
um, heard about it. But um, several years ago, we went on a family outing to Branson, and we went to um, the sight, one of the sight and sound um, plays that was Jonah. It was awesome, I can tell you that. If you can ever see one of those, they are incredible, whichever story. And it, it almost makes you want to fly to the, the closest place that they, they happen. I know that Branson shows them. There's another uh, place on the East Coast that, that shows them. So it, it's not always a trip to Branson. But that's where we went. And my dad turned to us after the play was done. And he had traveled in the country there. And in the city, the old city of Nineveh, there was a huge monument in honor of Jonah that existed until Nineveh was basically destroyed. And it, it really didn't exist. But it, in archives, they, and they talk about this huge memorial to Jonah. And in visiting with those folks in that area, uh, my dad, when my dad was able to be there, he found out, and again, I don't know how, um, but he found out that Jonah never actually left Nineveh. When God finally got a hold of his heart, Now, you know, we can say, oh, yeah, I got God. But does he have us? Jonah was willing enough to go preach that message. But he was mad about it the entire time. He didn't want Nineveh to repent, but he said exactly what God told him to say. And God had put him in the right spot at the right time. And then he goes to the edge of the city. The Bible says the east side of the city. He went out there to pout because he was so mad that they repented. And God listened. But somewhere in the questions that God asked him in chapter 4, something changed inside of him. And it's not written there. But I believe something changed inside of him. Because history bears out, according to what my dad had found out, that he never left that city. When God tells us to do something and we don't want to do it, we may find ourselves in a situation where when it's all said and done, we change everything about ourselves and never leave what God told us to do. I'm just going to... Stay here because God wants me here. God wants us 
in a place to show mercy. If you're in your Bible, turn over just a few pages because, you know, these books aren't very long. Here it's, uh, I turn, I'm going to turn three pages to the book of Micah. And when I was driving today to church, this verse, and I love these verses. There's, there's three or four of them in Scripture. But Micah is telling us that God hath shown thee, verse 8, Micah 6 and 8. He hath showed thee, O man. That's us. What is good and what doth the Lord require of thee? Don't you really want to know what the Lord requires of us? It goes beyond Acts 2.38. That's just the first part. What the Lord require of thee but to do justly, show, you know, be just, and to love mercy. That's what Jonah didn't want to do. He, he loved mercy for himself in the belly of that fish. But he didn't appreciate mercy in Nineveh. And to walk humbly with thy God. Somehow, God, help us to be able to show mercy when it's hard to show mercy. And I know that God can help us do that. I've had situations in my life that I am out of time and don't have time to talk about. But God helps us to show mercy where we think that we would never be able to show mercy. It's not easy to show mercy when we're angry or hurt. And many times we have a reason. Jonah had a reason to be angry and hurt. He had a reason to hate the Assyrians. But God still loved them. And God loves us. So let's get ready to have church in just a few minutes. And I look forward to worshiping with every one of you. God bless you.